the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The word doxology, simply stated, it's a formula of praise to God. We're looking at the doxology in Romans chapter 11, next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. And again, welcome to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here in chapter 11 of Romans, verses 32 through 36, we have a doxology, a form of praise to God. Now, this is an extended series that will take us through the week. We invite you to spend time with us as we explore this marvelous doxology together. How is it we praise God? Apostle Paul gives us a great lesson. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. What he has revealed about himself and his word, then I will praise him. By praising him and rejoicing in him and magnifying his name, then I will want to obey him and please him. I will fail, yes. But that leads me back to the truth of forgiveness in Jesus. And then being forgiven in Jesus, that leads me to praise him. Then the praise leads me to make the attempt again, as weak as I am, to love and obey and serve God. So let me beg you to study this doxology. Not just to study these verses, but to study the whole context. Because we're given here an insight into the very mind of God that he has graciously revealed to us. How he wants us to relate truth and practice, doctrine and obedience. He wants the bridge between them to be adoration, to be praise, to be magnifying his name, to be joy. It is a dramatic and exhilarating doxology that shows us That the life, the Christian life, that is not lived praising God, is going to be a sad life. It's not going to be a life that you will find any joy in obeying God, because you're not praising Him, and you're not seeking Him. Let me beg you again, study this doxology. Seek to praise the name of God with what He has revealed of Himself. And be filled with joy for what he has done. As Psalm 43, 4 says, God, my exceeding joy. Let me read to you this article from just an aged saint, it says. God, my exceeding joy, Psalm 43, 4. For some time now, this verse has constantly been upon my heart. It seems like it is branded there. 
David was king and as such had a legion of responsibilities, decisions to make, daily counsels, family problems, personal trials and temptations, health issues, and the list goes on. But in spite of these pressing words, God was his exceeding joy. Not just a joy, but an exceeding joy. That is an uncommon joy. Not a future bliss, which must certainly is is, is included, but a present joy that excels all other joys. We're told when the wise men saw Jesus' star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And Peter tells us this kind of joy is unspeakable. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There isn't any way to describe it. There are no words. This joy can only be experienced by and through faith. It must be appropriated. One definition of the word is to take possession for one's own use. This doxology, verses 33 through 36, echoes some of the highest praise sections of both the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets. But of course, it far surpasses them because the new covenant surpasses the old covenant. What they hoped for, we now have. So please, as we go through this, and I won't get very far today, we're going to just look at a little bit about praising God. But please remember the way this is, that this doxology serves as a bridge between these two sections of Scripture, between doctrine and Christian living. Now, I want to give to you today, and this will be the bulk of my sermon, three reasons, three sins that make us unable to cross this bridge between truth and godliness. Now, we're only going to get through one of them today. We must be aware of them, conscious of them, repent of them where they are true of us, because this bridge of praise changes everything. This is a bridge, as I said, we've got to cross. Something in my life needs to change so that I can praise God as I should. Because if I don't please Him, if I don't find my life in glorifying Him, I am never going to cross over from praise into obedience. Where obedience is joyful to me. And I can guarantee that everyone in here is struggling in one way or another with some area where you know in your life God wants you to obey. Maybe God just wants you to shut your mouth and trust Him. Maybe God wants you to give up some idol in your life. Maybe God just wants you to listen to your parents and say, not my will, God, 
Not my will, Mom, but your will be done. Maybe it's you and your finances, you and your boss, you and how you spend your time. Whatever it is, but every one of God's children is being sifted and pressed on this very point. God says, will you trust me? Will you obey me? Will you submit to me in all things? How are we going to do that? I can guilt you into it so that you will submit to, so that you will maybe do it for five minutes. You'll give it that much effort. I can enthuse you maybe into 15 minutes of effort. But there is only one thing that will set our hearts free. Like Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. So if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. There is only one thing that will set us free to really give ourselves to obeying God and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And that is praise. That is when our hearts are humbled by what he has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness that he has given us. The freedom that we have to approach him. All these truths, I guarantee, many of you could probably talk about as well as I can. When those truths move from I understand them intellectually to a real heart praising of God and worshiping of him. Then obedience flows from that. So I said three things that keep us from crossing the bridge. The first one, and I'll try to keep these as simple as I can. We live in an anti-thinking age. You ask, so you mean to tell me to cross that bridge, I need to be intellectual? No. But God has given you a mind. And he says, I want you to love me with your mind. You are not free to daydream your youth away. You are not free to fantasize your free time away. He says, I've given you a mind so that you can reflect on what I have done. Now, please notice something here. I didn't just pull these out of the thin air. Where did this praise come from in verses 33 through 36? It came after one of the most extensive, comprehensive statements of Christian faith and doctrine to be found in the Bible, Romans chapter 1 through 11. Now, if someone asks you where to go to understand all these doctrines, most of us would say Romans, because Romans is one of these deep, heavy, wonderfully doctrinal books, and Paul spends all this time with these Roman Christians explaining. These were first-generation believers. They didn't have seminaries in their background. They didn't have generations of godliness 
These were relatively new believers. And he gives them this full, glorious, majestic presentation of God's truth. And then what does he do? After going through all of that, he starts praising. Why? Well, because of the truth about what God has done, who he is, what he has given us in Jesus, his mercy to us. These weren't given to us so that we just have some religious ideas flitting around in our heads. So that we can simply say, well, I know the catechisms, great, but you do not truly know the catechisms if you are not praising God with your life. You see, we can both know something and not know something at the same time. We can know it at a distance. We can know it in, uh, yeah, I know it's out there in some way, but I don't know it in a biblical sense. And very often the word know in the Bible means an intimate personal understanding. And in some context, a sexual deep knowing of something. What we see here is the connection between truth and godliness and praise. God gives us truth so that we will praise him. God wants us to praise him and rejoice in him and love him and adore him. So we will obey him. That is the dynamic that God has made for us to follow in our lives. But you know the church today, I mean we talk about anti-intellectualism. Because we don't want any doctrine in our preaching. In fact, if possible, many churches prefer not to sing any of the old hymns any longer because of the doctrines they contain. It is not so much because of the tunes, because there's nothing more moving than some of these old tunes. That is not the issue. The issue with a lot, not all contemporary music in the church is, I want to worship not so much God, but my sentiments about God. We have totally flipped it around. Yes, I want to listen to music that I'm comfortable with, that I listen to on the radio, but I want the sentiment. But... Beloved, that doesn't have any substance. I mean, you compare the old hymns to 90% of what's written today, and there is no comparison. There's no scriptural substance in most of it. But even things that we will sing today, like hymn 489, are not directly taken from scripture, but they are thoroughly and completely scriptural because the meaning of the words are from the word of God. Not so much with a lot of contemporary so-called Christian music. We don't have that today. Why? David said in Psalm 138, Thy thoughts are precious to me, God. That's why we sing those old hymns. 
Let me ask you, whose thoughts are precious to you? Some experts out there, whoever they may be, some guru. Most of us don't even get that far. Philosophers, theologians, historians, very, very few of us get that far. Mostly it's just my thoughts. What I want to think about. Me, my circumstances, my spouse, my children. What I've got to do for this day. That is what is precious to me. And it shows. Because as long as we think it is about us, we're signing up for, Lord, just make my life miserable, please. Lord, will you please make me unhappy? Lord, will you please make me bitter? That is what you are praying for because the more you think your own thoughts, the more you set yourself up as the God of your own little world. And the more you create this reality that no one else seems to want to kiss your ring. No one else wants to bow down to your version of reality. So you sink and you get sullen. This is especially true of teenagers. I was like this. Why didn't everyone think I was as wonderful as I did? Why do people have to get into my face? Why do people mess with my God complex? All because... I am too lazy to thank God's thoughts after him. What is precious to you? What do you think about? Listen, don't miss this. Because what you think about will enthuse you. Have you ever been talking to someone and you're trying to bring up a a, a few things? But it's like you're talking to a corpse. And then suddenly you hit upon their subject. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's fast cars. Maybe it's a special restaurant or a special movie. Maybe it's an important current event. And then suddenly they seem to wake up. Oh, let me give you all those facts. This player hit 363. He stole 40 bases. He hit in 110 runs. He brushes his teeth with this brand of toothpaste. He drinks this kind of soda. It's like, where did this come from? You hit on his favorite subject. Let me tell you something about Christians. We are or should be unified in one main thing. Our subject is God, and and he must be in our thoughts. What he has revealed about himself to us. That is why we have spent over a year studying just a portion of Romans thus far. We need to know about our sinfulness, or we will never appreciate God's mercy. We need to know about the justification that Jesus has obtained for us. Or we will never have confidence before God. Because through what he has done for us, we have robes. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And no one can lay a charge against us. And no speck of sin holds or clings to those robes. We need to know 
about these things. We need to study these things carefully like Paul does here. Notice Paul doesn't just say, oh yeah, and God made you righteous and oh yeah, you were a sinner and oh yeah, you're a child of Jesus and God loves you. Let the party move on. No, he goes through these things and he gives details. He explains. He expects that we will think. Because if David had precious thoughts of God, oh, we have so many more than David did. So many more. So what do you think about? Have you bought into? I just don't want to think. I want to feel. I just want to emote. I just want to be left alone. Well, there's no worse hell than to be locked into your own mind, into your own thoughts, whatever they may be. Lust, pride, anger, daydreaming. There is nothing worse. That is why God, in his mercy, has redeemed us. He redeemed our minds so that we are brought back into the light again. His glory. Everything he has revealed in his word. So that we can praise him. By thinking on his precious thoughts. Now in two weeks. We're going to look at the second and third. Thing that keeps us from crossing the bridge. But one other thing about not wanting to think. Maybe some Sunday. I should just walk in here tap dancing. Or wear a bear costume. Or be juggling eggs. I don't know. Something. Because we think. We knew we need newness. Right? It's the way it is in a lot of churches. That's why people leave churches. You know the first place men turn to when worship starts languishing for them? It is, I need to have my feelings enthused again. But that won't really help. Because it is truth that enthuses the godly heart. And that produces worship. Joyful worship. So I want to lay a challenge before you. We need to worship God better. We need to sing out more enthused. We need to confess more knowledgeably. We need to read and confess our faith together. And it should be a loud crescendo of praise to God as we read and confess his word. But we will never get there. And worship will never be satisfying. If each one of you does not take upon yourself the personal responsibility and privilege of thanking God's precious thoughts of meditating on his glory during the week. My friends, I can't do it for you. I'm not a cheerleader. Now, you can go to other churches, and I suppose there are worship cheerleaders there, and they do all of the enthusiasm for you. But if you want your feelings to be fixed, turn to the truth. If you want your heart to be refreshed, And your emotions to be healthy. Be filled with the glory of God as revealed in his word. And he will fix your emotions. 
For truth is what cures us and leads us to praise. And that praise leads us to obedience. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful that we have received the blessings of new life through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep us ever faithful to daily walking with you and give us hearts bursting with praise for your love and goodness toward us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.